This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Have you ever felt completely confused when you went to buy food for your dog or cat? You're wandering the aisles, there are a gazillion choices, and you just don't know what to choose. If you said yes, you're not alone. I get a lot of that from pet parents. What if you decide to feed raw, which is something that I've advocated for years? What raw model do you choose? You're listening to Jody Miller Young on the Hound Healer Reports, your destination for everything natural healing for your dog or cat. It's my promise to you to bring you everything I find and include you in whatever I find that I think is worthwhile for you to know, because we all are on this journey to be even better pet parents and have animals that live longer and live more vibrant, healthy lives. So on that journey, I met this woman, Dr. Stephanie Kroll, who is a functional medicine practitioner for humans, but she's also helped pets. And she wrote a book. She's an author. The book is called What the Pet Food Industry is Not Telling You. And before I introduce Stephanie, because I think you're really going to want to hear what she has to say, we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. But if you want to know what happened when Stephanie got bad news from the vet several years ago, what she did with that news and how she cured her dog, don't go away. Grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Hound Healer Reports with Jody Miller-Young, your host. We're here today, if you've just joined, with Dr. Stephanie Kroll, functional medicine practitioner and author of What the Pet Food Industry is Not Telling You. Provocative title but there's lots behind it. And I'm really excited that she's here today. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, Jody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Now, you have a powerful story to share about your dog, Winston. And I think pet parents, there'll be a lot of pet parents out there who can relate, who've gotten bad news at the vet. Tell us your story. It's a very long story, but I'll keep it very brief. <laughs> because it went on for They a can months. buy your book to hear the rest of the story. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I'll keep it brief for today. But um, in a nutshell, you know, he was throwing up and he couldn't keep anything down. And of course, it was like one or two in the morning. And I just said, you know what, we've got to go. He was 11. He had never been sick before to that point of anything noticeable. And um, I, I actually thought it was an obstruction, you know, because that's a very common symptom of obstruction. And uh, they really never did ever figure out what it was. They went from pancreatitis, to leptosporosis, to this, I got 
antibiotics up the wazoo. Of course, I didn't use any of them. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's, that's a whole, that could be a whole other conversation, but I didn't use them because if you can't give me a diagnosis, why would I just throw something against the wall and see what sticks? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm, I'm a real common sense person. And I just, the, the diagnosis they gave me was he'll have three to four months to live with or without surgery. But if you don't do the surgery, they're going to kill him anyways. Um, and these were two very respected top of the line. You know, one was a university, heavy, massive diagnosis that I still respect today, even quote in my book, because their research is phenomenal. And the other one was a specialty clinic. And even still, you know, I just said, why would I even do surgery if I've got three to four months with or without it? They're like, well, but you have to, because if you don't, you're definitely going to kill them. And I'm like, ah, I just didn't make any sense to me. And so I just kind of paused everything and said, all right, I'll put the surgery on the books. Right. Because that's, if you don't do that, then bad things will happen. You know, maybe <laughs> I'm a little superstitious, but I just said, okay, put the surgery on the books, but I'm going to give myself a week. And <laughs> I was up for, I mean, even in college, I wasn't up 24 hours. <laughs> I was up 24 hour periods of researching and I went and I went to the best. I said, I've got to, you know, shore up my learning curve. I don't have time to be constantly reading. So I found the top homeopathic vet nationally and internationally scheduled an immediate consultation. I, she's in my book. I did the top person with homeopathy, the top person with Chinese medicine that I could absolutely find and get into within that week. And um, boy, I just started piecing the parts together. And um, But you zoomed in on nutrition. It was the only thing. Homeopathy was my kind of my second go-to if I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure I was a hundred percent right, but I also knew that I had one shot. Yeah. Even today, you know, four or five years later, 11, he's going to be 15. I knew I had one shot, you know, and now I really know that if I had gotten it wrong, it would have been three to four or less or, you know, because they wanted to remove his spleen. He had nodules on his liver. You know, he had massive inflammation going on and, you know, all of that and a little fatty tumor on his front right leg that was just huge and was starting to interfere with his walking. And if you've got a Jack Russell, you know, that movement is their life. <laughs> Absolutely. They're the boing boing dogs. They're bouncy bouncy. <laughs> So, um, and he lost his balance, you know, he was, he couldn't get up on the couch. I mean, there's just, I could give you a litany of inflammatory symptoms, allergies. Um, and it just, you know, it did not, it just didn't add up because he was, I stopped vaccinating him at three. I did titers instead. Every couple of years, his immunity never waned. So, you know, it just didn't make sense. He was, you know, he got organic food for snacks vegetables. And yeah. Fruit. You thought you were doing the right thing across the board. Distill down for us what you discovered. What I simply discovered was changing his food and removing the root cause, right? Which did make sense to me because I am a functional medicine practitioner. I reverse diseases like autoimmune diseases, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, all these things that people are really dealing with today. Yeah. And I just kind of took that practice and applied that and what made common sense to me in the pet industry and um, went completely with diet. I had, oh my gosh, I'm sure people who care about their pets who see allergies, what do they start doing? This supplement, that supplement, this supplement will remove, um, I have, and I should actually still have the box. I haven't been able to throw it away for some crazy reason because it was thousands of dollars. Oh, of supplements in a box? Yes. That you've amassed. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. The box is like, you know, like this big and it's every organic, you know, 
thing that I thought would possibly help him feel better. Cause we don't mm-hmm. want to see our dogs in pain or sick or itching uncomfortable, you know, and I look at those commercials for Apoquel that are on right now. Oh my gosh. The drugs. That's a whole other show. A whole other <laughs> I actually show. did a story on the hound dealer blog all about Apoquel. So yeah, I'm glad that you did because the and side of points, detoxing from those is extreme. Yes. But eventually when they get out the other side, they're beautiful and gorgeous and their health is restored, but it's rough for parents, you know, to go through. And that's what I do consultations a lot on those types of dogs who are just really sick and, mm. painful and you know, or somebody who needs a quick start situation because they got major issues. Yeah. So the diet that you researched and honed in on, it's called rotational feeding, right? And tell us why you believe that it works and it worked for Winston. <laughs> well, the reason I believe it worked is uh, we're going on 11 to 15, you know, yes, which is amazing. But tell us about it. Yeah, it's basically a dog has a one chambered stomach. Okay, it's very simple by again, common sense. Biologically, your little adorable dog picture behind you, that little tiny dog is 99% biologically identical to a wolf today. And this is the you know, you walk in a vet as you know, eight years or more plus all their experience and education and they smile at you and we misinterpret that as them really loving our dog and doing what's best. And realistically, they've got a business to run and they're running a good business. But we assume when they say something like, oh, you can't give your dog raw meat. You're going to make everybody in your house sick and they're going to be here. I've actually seen practices raise their prices for raw fed dogs because they're like, oh, you're going to need an antibiotic every week. Oh, my God. People have brought that to me. Wow. I have. It's just it's a lack of education. Absolutely. And it's as much a lack of education on the part of the vets, because what they get in vet school on nutrition is minuscule and it's all funded by the major companies like Hills, right, who want people to buy their food, which is not very healthy for our animals. It's great marketing. It's great marketing. It's great marketing. So it's really up to us as pet parents to do our own research and learn what's best and to learn why raw feeding is not dangerous to our dogs. And that's something that I teach my students too, the myth about it. But go ahead, continue. It's biologically appropriate. So if your dogs are 99 today in your house are 99% biologically identical, that is the digestive tract. If somebody says you've domesticated your dog, if you go and you look up in the dictionary, which we all have Google, Wikipedia, you know, it simply means that your dog is laying next to you in an organic dog bed. They don't have to go outside. (laughs) You know, you still see dogs today digging in your couches and circling. Those are all behaviors, right? If they were in the wild. So they don't have to dig out their bed for tonight. You know, that's all domestication has nothing to do with biology, nothing to do with the digestive tract. And so knowing the statistic, 99% biologically identical. I mean, you don't see many wolves out there taking heartworm pills. You don't see them stopping to microwave, you know, and these are the conversations that I have with my clients just to make sure that they sit back for a second and go, okay, yes, those people have lots of experience and they do. And for things like broken bones and, you know, if your dog's bleeding uncontrollably, yes, go get emergency care. But just like a traditional medical clinic, there isn't anything there 
for health or wellness or health or wellness. True. It's, it's not real true preventative care. What about the people? Because you're going to explain more, I know, about what the rotational diet actually is. Yeah. But what about the vets and the scientists and the other experts in the space that say, you know, dogs, especially, we know cats are carnivores, but dogs are omnivores. And over the centuries, they their digestive systems have learned how to digest, you know, vegetables and a lot of the things that we eat today, hopefully the healthier things that we eat today. What do you have to say to that? And then tell us what rotational means and why it's only one thing. Yeah, at a time. yeah of course. Um, well, I don't know that they've evolved. I mean, like you said, they're omnivores. They've always been. So can they digest small amounts of cellulose? Yeah. Which is from plants, you know, and things like, yes. so, I mean, if you take a, I mean, the voyeur wolves at Yellowstone park, there's a lot of, and I have that research in my book. And by the way, my book is not me telling you what to do. It's the brightest, the best, and the latest research in a conversational way. So I really try to make it easy and a one-stop shop for all things. So, and it is, it's very readable and it's, you know, it's very easy to understand. So, and I recommend it, you know, we live in a very toxic world and we are looking to mitigate and offload as much toxicity for our animals as we can, because they're going to be exposed to it every single day, no matter what we do. So this is one way to do that. So continue my friend. Yes, of course. And so, you know, when you take in everything I've just said, which is a lot for a lot of people to kind of unlearn yeah. what they've learned, um, you know, you understand how really they're still 99% biologically identical. So nothing really has changed. It's more of a myth than anything. And so I just advocate for a species appropriate diet, which the reason why is because they're 99% biologically identical to wolves. So if you just in, enact a little bit of common sense on that, it just simply means today really nothing has changed. They have always been omnivores. And when you look at the Voyager wolves, you know, there are times where they can't get a kill for meat. There are times they go a month. There are times they fast for several days and weeks at a time. So when you kind of just take that behavior and you know that they're identical um, and you really treat them that way, it's really called the species appropriate diet. So they're out eating blueberries and things. And if they can't find them and they're find a sweet potato in the ground, they dig it. They, so, so the reason I advocate for that is they have that one chambered stomach and that's why I do a category a day. So meat day, vegetable day, fruit day. And that's okay. why, that's why when somebody says, what commercial diet do you recommend? I'm like, well, there isn't any. None. <laughs> well, None there isn't really. any. There isn't any for reasons of what's actually in them. <laughs> Absolutely. But just to kind of make it even clearer, you have one type of food per day because to mix foods creates toxicity, creates toxicity. They're not meant to. And I read in your book, and I also did my own research on this, that when wolves made a kill, they avoid the stomach contents, which usually was vegetables plant-based material. Maybe if they killed a small prey like a rabbit and they were worried about another animal getting the prey, they'd eat the whole thing really quickly. But normally they would avoid the contents of the stomach, even though they might eat the stomach lining and they might eat the intestinal lining, they didn't mix. So you're saying that this is very important because mixing them creates toxicity in the gut. Well, 
Yeah, it does. And and they go right to the, you know, the internal organs, because that's where the nutrition is. And of course, you know, if there's a pack, the stronger, more dominant get that and maybe the less dominant ones get other pieces, of course, but that's where they'd all like to go if they could. And so that's why I just talk about, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh, my dog's not going to have proper nutrition. Well, proper nutrition is 80% meat, 10% bone, 10% internal. That is a properly balanced diet. So all the nutrition is the organs and of course, calcium, bones, all that. Okay. So this was one of the questions I had for you and we're going to get back to Winston and how long you had him on this diet that you researched and what you noticed along the way, because I want people to know that and understand that and think that, you know, maybe that's hope for them if they're in a situation similar to where you were. One of my big questions was how to make sure that they get all the vitamins and minerals in this diet. So my Sophie and maybe those listening, you'll have a dog that is just not a big vegetable person. And she doesn't like any fruit except butternut squash. You told me was a fruit. I never knew that. Did you know butternut squash was a fruit? What else did you tell me was a fruit that I didn't know? I knew avocado was a fruit. Red pepper. Probably that's one that people think is a vegetable. Red pepper. Oh my God. Totally thought that was a vegetable. So, okay. She doesn't like red pepper. She will probably eat butternut squash, but she will not eat any fruits. So any of the vitamins and minerals that she would get on her fruit day, she's not going to be able to get. With vegetables, she literally will pull the pepper, because I didn't know that it was a fruit, the squash out of the bowl, leave it on the floor, and she'll eat the broccoli, she'll eat the peas, she likes those. And maybe one other thing, I mean, she doesn't really like a lot of vegetables either. So what do you do in a case like that where you have a picky dog? Well, in my book, I just give a whole list of, I mean, I give a, and and it can go beyond that list. So I always just say your dog knows what it wants. Yeah. You know, he used to get organic food, like vegetables and fruits and stuff in between. And that's what, you know, if I had just stuck to the wisdom of the Jack Russell, uh, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, and I think those types of dogs more than anything really do advocate push their pet parents, you know, into actual food because they're so darn cute. <laughs> we all think our babies are so darn cute though. <laughs> they, all, they all are, you know, but they're, they're, I know you're in love with him. I know it. <laughs> I'm an obsessed, I'm an obsessed dog mom with my boys. Yes. So. Yes, yes. You know, but the answer to your question is let them eat what they want to eat on those days. So if she's more partial to blueberries, give her blueberries morning and evening. What okay. people don't understand is there isn't this, again, another myth, this lack of nutrition <laughs> or balanced. Yes, you want to be balanced. Okay, you do. But you have to understand your body does store up and especially a dog who comes from a point of not having food, right? Genetically, they do store minerals, things like that. B vitamins. Yes, those are not necessarily stored. Fat-based vitamins, A, D, these things are more stored and dogs oddly make their own vitamin D. It doesn't really come from the sun. So, and it comes from also the internal organs. So As long as these things, have you ever heard what we're doing on a weekly basis, more that we're doing on a daily basis adds up over time? Mm -hmm. It's true. And it is, if you want to say genetically more true for animals, um, because they do have to come from a point of scarcity. So it's not really something I worry about. And when you implement this diet, they, you see them thrive. Tell us about Winston. Tell us what happened. Yeah. I mean, I knew week one that I was on the right track because you can't knock what you can see. Yeah. Okay. I physically 
saw him changing week after week after week for probably at least a year. And then, you know, I still saw changes, but he was more getting detoxed and healing. And so I didn't see them as frequent, but. But in that three month, three to four month period, when you knew with the bad news from the vet, that's all he had to live or less without that operation. What did you see change? I saw things like not being able to jump up on things, you know, the inflammation had gone away. The allergies had gone away. He had a a pink tummy, any dog with a pink tummy and a lack of hair on their chest, that is massive inflammation. And if you don't, you know, pay attention to that stuff, you just think, oh, look at the cute pink tummy, which jacks have spots on their tummy. So you just kind of think they're cute, massive inflammation. So all the hair had grown in hair had grown in beyond his paws that I like, he was never healthy enough to grow properly. His hair grew like an inch longer because he's a broken coat. So he's short hair down below and like a gremlin, which is what I love about him. And he has a gremlin <laughs> attitude. He'll tell you off a time or two, but his hair grew. And then he started to over jump. I'm like, what's, you know, he was kind of jumping on chairs and things. And then he'd over jump them. And I'm like, so excess energy. <laughs> No, what it was, was I figured it out one day and you know, this diet does require great observation. Okay. And you want to do it because you want to see them happy and enjoying and healthy, but you want to also do it so that you can manage symptoms of detox, depending on how toxic your dog is, as well as their weight. You know, there's a way to put on some gas and take off some gas if they're getting itchy from detoxing because the acids come out their skin. Yeah. Okay. Depending on how toxic. That's good to know. Yes. But I saw him jumping and I said, what's going on there? You know, because first the jumping was restored, but then we had over jumping. And one day he was under the, um, he was under the, the table and he was pawing something. And I said, I couldn't see it myself. I said, the tiniest ant, I'm talking like the tip of a pencil, the tiniest ant on the floor. And he had definitely had his eyes were bluing. You know, it was not looking good. His eyesight was not good. And I moved my hand here and then he, you know, so he had major eyesight. So his eyesight had healed. Wow. Yeah. So that wow. that's major, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, he's over jumping because his body's healed, but his eyesight hasn't fully healed. So, but then when it all, when his eyes healed and his inflammation, then he was Back to being normal, jumping on things. For a while, I had to watch him for about a month. (laughs) I just started carrying him, picking him up everywhere. Right. And today he's going to be 15 and vibrantly healthy. Vibrantly healthy. cured your dog. I did, you know, and and a lot of people write a book to write a book, but I just, I just felt like, you know, it had been a few years and we definitely made it over three months. And, you know, I've been an animal person. I've been a horse and dog person my whole life. And I just said, you know what, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, as we get older, we realize kind of, you know, what's our purpose and how can we kind of make a mark on the world that we've been here or kind of feel like we're kind of always going to be here. And I just said, you know, I think this is the thing I need to do. I just need to write this book for that purpose. But I mean, reversing pain and disease in pets around the world. I mean, Uh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Pets and their people. I know it's what I love about what I do, too. So your protocol and in your book, you say that, you know, you could sort of be flexible depending on what works best for your animals. But your protocol is day one's fruit, day two's vegetables, day three is meat, and day four is a fast day. Why fast every four days? It's not necessarily every four days. The key is that it's after a meat day. Okay. Okay. So 
whatever that is, you know, because I kind of talk in my book about various stages of disease, various stages of getting older, you know, and the less, the more sick, the less meat or the less active, the less meat, because they don't need all that protein. But, and they also get it out of fruits and vegetables, by the way. It's kind of a mess. Yes, people don't realize that. Yes. People don't realize that. But um, yeah, it's after a meat day because sometimes it can take a dog based on how broken their digestive tract is. Kibble and these things break the digestive tract, which is why we need heartworm yeah. medications. And so that's what I mean. Nothing you find there isn't for a sick dog. Just like when we go to a medical doctor. Yes drugs or yes. surgeries or whatever. So, so that that's the reason it's 24 hours is because you just really don't want the plants, whether you go in with fruits before you go in with plants before they will, you know, uh, digest much quicker. So like a plant is 10 to 12 hours, watermelons, like an hour or two or three, you know, it's pretty quick. Um, and then, you know, but, but fruits in general, you know, five, six, seven hours, it all depends on the dog's digestive tract, but fruits are quickest. Vegetables are a little longer than meat is the longest. And you can tell by their poops. The one thing I never considered I'd be looking at and excited about were dog poops. <laughs> <laughs> we get excited too. I, I totally feel you on that. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah. you one good job, buddy. Let's go to, you know. Yeah. But you, it's, you have to look at it when you transition to this diet because one, the more the poop doesn't look like if you put in sweet potatoes and they're bright orange, but now they're looking a little more browner. That's how you know the digestive tract is healing and going in yes, the right way. So, that's a great point. Again, observation. They're I mean, assimilating. Really, yeah, exactly. Yes. And so this 24-hour period after a meat day gives their body a chance to fully digest and, and detox and gives it their digestive tract a little bit of a break. It does. And it, it creates healing because when we're digesting, our body is paying attention to the digestion process. And not the healing process. So sometimes if a dog is detoxing and they're super itchy, I, you know, quickest way through is to fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if they're, you know, if the parent is really, there are some pet parents that can't deal with any itching. And then I say, well, if you want to slow down the detoxing, which is really not the end goal, but if your dog is really stressed or losing hair, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Understandable, you know, feed them a little bit extra so that the body pays attention to digesting and slows down the detox process. It's more manageable. So you can put gas on the fire when you need to, you can back it off. And again, it's all about observation. We are going to take a quick break from our sponsor, but don't go away. If you want to know why, what the vets are telling you about feeding raw, not being a good idea, why that's a myth. And if you want to know more about the different types of things that this diet can heal, refresh that beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the Hound Healer Reports with Jody Miller Young, and we're here today with Dr. Stephanie Kroll. If you've just joined, Dr. Kroll is a functional medicine practitioner for people, but she's helped animals and she's written a book called What the Pet Food Industry Is Not Telling You. Stephanie, talk to us a little bit more about why, with raw feeding, our pets have very little chance of getting sick, like vets tell you is going to happen. Now we have to be more careful because we have more of a chance of picking up a parasite or a bacteria. So I know I'm careful, but tell my listeners why our, our dogs and cats, it's not that likely. Well, it's not as likely for pets and it really isn't for people too. But the reason is, is because <laughs> if you don't create the fodder for these things, in your body, they're not going to hang around. So if you don't have an environment in your body that is conducive to them latching on and making a home, then they're just not going to be interested. They'll go someplace else. Well, they'll pass through and die. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's even better. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you get a parasite, which is like a heartworm, since we're talking about animals or even people, mm -hmm. if you don't have the fodder for it, that's what I mean. You know, when you look at wolves out there, they're not dropping dead of heartworm. Why? Because they have a wonderfully functioning digestive tract and they don't have the fodder in there for parasites to hang out. So after a period, if they're in there, they make their way through and bada bing, bada bing. I don't know what else to, you know. When you say fodder, I know what you mean, but explain to our listeners what you mean by that. Yeah. Food bacteria, the types of toxic waste, you know, that these bugs. <laughs> it's a gut microbiome that's not balanced that right. And that is more susceptible, right? Yeah. Undigested waste. You know, when you have a broken digestive tract, even in functional medicine, one of the things you end up getting put on are digestive enzymes for the time being, because when your digestion is cut, that's when all of that builds up, you know, in addition to toxicity, in addition to probably heavy metals, in addition to viruses and parasites that aren't clearing, even in people. Okay. This is, yeah. not, this is not that much different. Okay. Um, so, yeah. There's so much in your book that we unfortunately don't have time to cover today, but where can people find you? Now, this is the book again. I'm going to take my little place mark out of it, but it's called What the Pet Food Industry is Not Telling You by Dr. Stephanie Kroll. Where can people find you and get your book and reach out? Yeah, they can absolutely find it on my website, which is wellnessandhealthnow.com or Amazon. <laughs> You know, now that we've gone through a pandemic, right? Who doesn't order something or have drop ships yes. on Amazon? So worldwide, nationally, internationally, Amazon, you know, and it comes in, you know, an ebook if you're a person who's an ebook person or a hardcover. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, because it's a little bit varied when you're doing an audiobook, but in a couple of weeks, I would say check back if you're an audiobook person because it's it's worldwide. It's gonna yeah. be completely worldwide on literally every platform. Because I really my purpose in life is that every pet owner reads it, you know. If they can read it before they get pet, they can avoid disease. If they've got a sick and dying pet to give them hope. Yes. If the pet is not pushed to the nth stage of toxicity and they have some vitality, that's the only thing I can't tell people. Does the dog have enough vitality to heal? Yeah. They do. I don't know of anything that I found that, you know, that could possibly give them a longer life than feeding them what they're biologically designed to eat. Wonderful. Great. Thank you so much 
Dr. Stephanie Kroll. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Important information to share. And thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. I'm passionate about natural healing for pets and their people. So join me for more information, important information on philosophies, news from experts and from the field on being even better pet parents and having pets that are healthier and live longer. You can also go to thehoundhealer.com for more stories on healing common ailments naturally. And until next time, to their best health ever. Thank you. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.